SQL actually is a great analytical language. It just needs some, it needs some love. It needs to be brought into a modern workflow. Hi folks, welcome to HashMap on Tap. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Kelly and today I'm joined by Oliver Hughes. Oliver is co-founder and CEO at Count. They have a SQL editor that's packaged up as a notebook. Very, very cool. Think about having a Jupyter style notebook, but for SQL. Ali, hi, welcome to the show. What are you drinking today? Hey Kelly, I'm drinking a an Adnams Broadside, which is a dark ruby ale from South, uh, South which is a kind of coastal resort on the east coast of England. And it's commemorating the Battle of Sol Bay, 1672. So I the bottle itself isn't that old, but um, it's a very old beer in terms of a uh, brand. Very, sounds really good. Are you Now, are you close to Southwold or where, where are you in the UK? No, I am just north of London, um, but I used to go, go to Southwold quite a lot on holidays during my childhood. So and the brewery is right on the coast, like right oh, nice. in the town center on the coast. So it's just really great to know your beers from. It makes a big difference. Oh, love it. Love it. Well, I am uh, I'm definitely in the same category as you. I've got the classic Shiner Bach, which I don't think I've actually had on the show. I've had a lot of Shiner variations and uh, different uh, beers that they offer. But the this is the classic Shiner Bach. Uh, I wouldn't say it's dark necessarily, but uh, but it's it's kind of their their overall go to. I bet my guess is they sell more of this than anything else, and uh, it's a local. I'm in Texas. It's a local uh, Texas uh, brewed beer, so we will enjoy those during the show. And yeah, well, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, why don't we do this? Take you know, count you and I uh, came across each other recently, and I would be really interested to understand how, you know, kind of this decision process on getting the company started, getting the product off the ground. How did it come about from concept to reality? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey, actually. So it's not been like a straightforward thing. We didn't get to this point, like straight away. We, so I should say there's me and another co-founder who's also called Ollie, like me. So it's a hugely confusing internally because they don't know who, everyone, who, who any Ollie is. Um, but we're friends from university. So we've known each other for 15 years now. And we left uni and went to London as bachelors together and, and lived together and we both took early jobs in our careers we we loved you know fell in love with data basically used to use it a huge amount um, in various different jobs as we were there and we just got really fed up with the tools we were using that they all felt they were the same they were not really solving any particular you know not letting people get into data more and making them make the most of it in the organizations that we were working in and we wanted to start count to look for a better answer so we actually started the cat product the, the, the company i guess just on the basis of let's try to find a different answer and we were very fortunate to have some early investors who just were on that journey with us and were keen for it to give us some space to go do some research basically and we started looking at natural language querying you know the idea of writing an english sentence and getting charts back and we did a lot of work on that for a while a year or so but we ended up realizing it was never going to be the thing we were hoping it would become users never really trusted the results what, so pause there for just a second, because yeah, I sure. think this has been a bit of the holy grail, right, for a long time in, in this area. So what what were the challenges that you ran into on the natural language query uh, approach? Yeah, well, it's obviously a difficult problem anyway, because it's just you're solving ambiguity of a sentence without much context to try and get a definitive logical you know, SQL statement effectively. And we worked very hard to make the technology great. I think mean, we were really, we really we did a lot of patenting on it, actually. but we 
found that when we did user testing with the technology, users never actually trusted what the results were. So they, they would happily get a chart back and go, that's interesting, but they would never use it to make a decision because they would need to have more confidence about what's actually happened in the black box that made up the chart to actually use it. And that's where we mm. felt it was never going to be um, at least in, if not in the kind of technology that we could produce in this generation of technology, mm -hmm. a thing which you would take and trust. And therefore, we, we had to make the painful decision to, to sort of down tools and work out what actually would make a massive difference the way people use data in a way which actually would not just be a cool feature, but would actually change how people work. Mm. Was it uh, was that particular effort actually count at the time or just a you know an early iteration and then it did count evolve from that I guess is what I'm wondering. Yeah, so we were actually called different we were called count open at the time and we we very little of the technology sort of came across into the new we literally we lost some of the team sadly we sort of were quite a big relatively big research team we went down to a much smaller sort of core product team at mm. the time. And we, we did a piece of work, basically the way we, we sort of moved forward was to do a piece of work, which was just to look at what are the steps that happen in an organization for a decision to be made with data. So okay. who gets involved, what steps are happening, what tools are used in what order, who gets involved, what are the, what, how do they interact, what's the flow of information through, how, do they get, how does it get presented? And we did this hundreds and hundreds of times. And it was really fascinating. It was kind of a really obvious thing to do. We should have done it right at the beginning. But we did it a bit later on, and we realized that, and I hope maybe people at home can sort of believe that, you know, understand this. It, what we realized was perhaps not surprising, but just seeing it that way and seeing how common these challenges are around how we make decisions was really crystallizing for us. And we found out, firstly, that to make an improvement in a business, you need to do a new analysis. No one, no one uses an existing dashboard or report to make an, uh, make a huge important decision to move the business on it at best it gives you sort of allows you to sort of maintain performance but it doesn't let you leap forward so that was a huge that's understandable realization but it's one we often forget about the second big thing we realized was that all these work all the all the hundreds of times we saw decisions being made with data in different sized companies in different circumstances like board meetings or at someone's mm -hmm. desk they all involved using sql sql was at the core of it somewhere a sql query was being written and then the the third thing, which was really horrific, which we were like, this is a problem we've got to solve, was just how painful the workflow was when we mapped yeah. it out. You know, to get to a decision point being made, not just to a nice chart or an insight, but to get to a decision point, you're using on average three or four different tools, excluding the database, just to get everything in one place. There's hard breaks between these different tools. So you, you lose that kind of flow, you lose, you lose the auditability because you're sort of pasting data between different buckets of tools. And then obviously you then got the iteration as the business discusses it, which is a consensus on the decision. It's just that you've got to iterate it hugely and you've got this kind of really broken, messy workflow to make it possible, which makes it really difficult for analysts and for stakeholders. And we were like, this is the problem. This is, we've got to solve this. Decision-making is what data is all about. And yet we're not really geared up to solving that problem. We've actually built tools for different purposes. Yeah, and it to me, as you're describing it, I mean, it, it certainly needs to be solved. You talked about that incremental performance only coming from new analysis, heavy, heavy in the SQL, but so many different ways, approaches, tools uh, to do this. It almost sounds like one of those problems that's really interesting to me because it does not sound like one that would be, if you can solve it, easily replicatable either. I mean, this analysis, how, how long was this, uh, piece of work that you guys did to kind of look at the problem overall? Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't like, a, it, it never is. It's always a messy problem solving. You can't yeah. try and do something like this. But it took us a good few months to sort of really mm -hmm. think it through. And 
we tested it quite a lot with users as well. Like we actually put out quite a fun, recently quite a fun meme, which is just like we just part- made a cartoon of all the different ways we saw the sort of the, the decision making process break down with data. And we put it out as a blog post called like I know, analyst workflows broken. It went went viral because everyone just oh, completely cool. poured into the pain points. Oh, yeah, we'll, ha- we'll have to link that up for sure in the show notes. So the analyst workflow is broken. That that will be fun. Please do. Um, and, it, and actually, to be fair, the, the solution we came up with, the idea of the SQL notebook was just looking at data science, you know, looking mm. at the, the, the how people on people like platforms like Kaggle were just collaborating with code to try and you know, ultimately in that case, solve data, you know, machine learning challenges. And we were like, the notebook's really helping collaboration to happen here, but this tool is not appropriate for 99% of people in the business. These are technical tools, technical audiences. We need to take the ideas of a notebook, but bring it into a space which can solve the workflow of decision-making, which is actually driven by, mostly by EDA, descriptive analytics in most organizations. What were those What were those data science notebook, uh, call them the, the prototypes that you really liked that uh, that were out there in the market? You said, oh, these guys are doing it right. I, I actually, I still think this, uh, Kaggle still has, I think, one of the best notebook interfaces on the market yeah. for, for, for data science. It's obviously, it's barely used as a private notebook. I think it's a real shame, um, but it's, it's a really lovely notebook flow that it has some really innovative ideas there. But obviously, it's their, their platform is generally designed for as a community-based play. I'm sure. I know Anthony from from Kaggle. I've told him this already. He said he should just make it a, a private yeah. product because <laughs> it'd be awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Okay, so really interesting story. So this this whole this this evolution of the company and how you guys got started two co any any other uh, founders or, or it's uh, both both uh, you and and Ollie. There's two there's two okay. of us now. Yeah, we had a, a guy start with us at the beginning, but okay. then after we turned away from natural language querying, he, he left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into, you know, what what count is to today, maybe um Talk a little bit about, you know, you, you looked at this, you said, okay, here's what we're going to have to do. We have this problem. We've analyzed it. We've looked at it. We know there's an issue here. We know SQL is going to be involved. What are really, when I think about this, what are the core tenets of delivering a really strong SQL editor experience? And again, this goes back, I mean, how, how far back do SQL editors go? I mean, we're talking probably 20, 30 years, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been around, SQL's been around for a very long time, hasn't it? I think it's like, is it the 70s or something when they, let me just check. I can, well, I mean, or, I Oracle started in the late 70s to give you some ideas. You I mean, it's been a long, you know, when when packaged SQL editors came to the market, I don't know, but man, it's it, the it's just interesting to me again that, you know, I think about something like Snowflake, for instance, that did not solve a new problem. Data, data, the need for data warehouse been around for many, many decades even, right? But, but took a different approach, different spin. And I see you guys doing the same kind of thing in the SQL editor space. Yeah, exactly. So what your question about, what do we see as the core SQL editor experience? Well, yeah. I, I guess it's more, we're not, we didn't really come in as you're going to build a new SQL editor. It was more like, what, what do we need to solve this problem? Well, we need to make sure that yeah. we've, Got a tool which is powerful, which lets analysts build great work, which lets them stay in flow, makes them super productive rather than moving between different tools, lets them create high quality outputs, which they can share with, you know, anyone, professional outputs they can share with anyone in the business, clients or internally, that allow people who aren't very data literate to engage with and be and be comfortable and also allows them to collaborate with the business and as well with their colleagues so they can share work and, and, and share knowledge across the business and in the data, data organization itself. And so the realization was that kind of tool, if you're gonna solve that workflow for them, it has to be a SQL editor because that's where the workflow starts. You start with the SQL query, 
this database here, the language of databases, you've got to start there. And therefore, we've got to make sure this tool is a replacement for a SQL editor. But yet, let's analysts query, explore data really fluidly, turn it into insights in a collaborative way, um, which is supercharged for that workflow. Um, and so you're building a SQL editor which does more. And that's why it's the next generation editor, effectively. Mm. And another way of thinking about it is if you think about what is currently being used to solve the problem of how to answer questions, you either currently have a SQL editor being dumped into Excel or something like that, or you have people who can, which is obviously a very small percentage of people, writing in R or Python in a notebook and then screenshotting charts into a Word document, or you've got someone using a dashboarding, legacy dashboarding tool, and then again, screenshotting charts out. So all these three tools have different benefits and negatives, but none of them individually can allow you to explore data, find the decision, and help clarify a point with it and give insight and then explain that and collaborate on it. And so we were like, well, actually, we're trying to solve the middle ground between a SQL editor, a notebook, and a BI tool. And the middle ground there is a tool you need to make decision making in your organization awesome, not just have a, a you know, lots of charts around which people look at and then get questions from. Now, that's really interesting. And I, you know, I think about it and you've got these three different uh, personas within an organization. You have, like you said, maybe the more technical data engineering or data science folks using those notebooks. You've got the classic database folks using the SQL editor and maybe the analysts using the data vis visualization. And what I'm hearing you say, Ali, is that, you know, you're taking maybe the best or the pros out of each one of those, putting those together into this solution uh, count. But what's also interesting, my guess is, and you, you can confirm, but whether I'm any of those three personas, there's probably something that I can latch onto that I'm familiar with coming from my background and then hopefully be able to do even more in this single interface in those other areas as well. So, man, just fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? If you look at the the way the market's been going, you sort of have this weird polarization now of like people who are using proprietary drag and drop dashboarding tools, which mm -hmm. we can all think of names of those. And you have people moving towards like a Python, a Python notebook kind of interface. And um, they're both being used for ad hoc analysis, mm -hmm. but really neither of them are great. Like the, the amount of machine learning going on in a Python notebook is, <laughs> is a fraction of mm. analysis time is surprisingly low, but people love the workflow they get from yeah. it. And similarly, but you've got dashboard, you've got these dashboarding tools which are designed for reporting to give dashboard reports, which are very different things that you need for a decision-making process. And neither of these two things are great. So we're just going for middle ground. We're saying, look, SQL actually is a great analytical language. It just needs some, it needs some love. It needs to be brought into a modern workflow. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's interesting. So you've got, um, you you mentioned you like this Kaggle uh, notebook uh, approach. I don't, I don't know if, did they base that off of uh, Jupyter, uh, open source Jupyter? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. it's all like the Jupyter kernel. like they just host it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I think that's kind of the approach that everybody's done. Databricks has done the same thing most most folks have. So, in I mean, you, you talked a little bit, there, there's a, a structural difference in how you're approaching this and it and it is this notebook interface i mean i just I, I personally have not seen this being done in the sql space at all is are there competitors out there i mean is this is this a, a really a revolutionary approach to to the way you guys are taking this yeah thanks there's definitely lots of notebooks you can write obviously you can write sql into a jupyter notebook actually mm -hmm. you can do it but it's just not designed for it mm -hmm. i mean um so the the 
what I think is novel about our notebook is it's trying to solve the what gives you the workflow benefits that is already you can already do in, in Jupyter with Python, but you can't do in SQL. So yeah, it's one of the things we think about is it, the principle of well, look at what's happening in Python. In ten years ago or more, people were writing Python in long like text documents, long scripts, which they then run and get a result out. You know, they have an ID and they'd be tweaking the text, rerunning it, getting a result. And then as Jupyter came along, it allowed them to turn the turn that one script into multiple segments so they could rerun, look at the results, pass down, and just let them to think as they coded. And that journey has now it's like everyone's now doing that for anything other than production code you're writing it in a notebook it's just a much better workflow but weirdly that hasn't happened for sql mm. everyone's still writing sql as huge scripts mm-hmm. where you get one re- one result table and the what we've done with our notebook is go look this we should we need the same evolution that we've seen in python and other languages like r which allows us to segment our analysis in sql and break it apart and see the results and get that build upon workflow and that's what is novel about the count notebook versus other attempts at doing notebooks is that they other notebooks are just letting you to write an individual query, get the result back, and then you can put another maybe get another query on the page. But we let you refer to the results of your previous cell and build upon it. And that is the innovation which gives you the workflow benefits and allows you to build a a connected graph of different SQL queries, which you can then use to build really powerful data models to present, you know, data, data interactive data stories. So there's, an, there's, a, there's a core innovation in the engine of the notebook, which is a different kind of runtime, which lets us make this work for SQL. So yeah, there's definitely a difference. And it's subtle, but it's hugely important. Who, who's, is there a particular persona that's been the most difficult or challenging to break through towards uh, as it relates to count? You've, you've got this, this new thing. They're used to their old tool. Is one or more of those personas embracing count uh, in your initial customers more than others? And is, is somebody a little more challenging so far? Mm, yeah. Well, I think what we are clear about is that count is not a data science notebook. There mm-hmm. are enough Jupyter, yeah. <laughs> Jupyter hosted solutions out there. It's a whole, there's a whole load of them. And that's great. You know, go, right, go there to do machine learning whatever you want, that's fine. We're not trying to break into that workflow. There's some solutions out there. They're is pretty old now, but it's it's working. We are here to serve the people who love and know SQL and have that as a huge part of their workflow and yeah. write SQL a lot. And that is, and also who serve the business with insights regularly, because that's that's the workflow we're trying to optimize here is decision-making from the, from the data, from your data mm-hmm. source, which ultimately means using a SQL-based approach. So data analysts are, the user we care about, they're our primary focus, and there's a huge number of them out there doing a really cobbled together workflow to try and achieve that kind of nice, clean, clear report, which is actually surprisingly hard to do unless you've got a notebook format. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I so hey, I want to I want to get kicked off with count. Take me through, you know, setup. How 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 much ramp do I have to really get going on this thing? Can I can I get it started today if I want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we currently have a hosted offering. Um, you just sign up, you connect your database, um, and then you can just start writing SQL. It, you know, it's designed to be an editor, so you should feel nice. very familiar with it in terms of like, there's a box, put some SQL in it, um, get a result. And, you know, then we've also built in there a very powerful visualization framework, which if you're you're more used to sort of that BI tool, you can then turn that table of results you've got into a really amazing, deep, rich, highly interactive visual as well. Which is fantastic. You know, going from SQL to visual is again surprisingly or good visual, surprisingly mm-hmm. hard. But then the next thing is that you get the novel jump is then going, okay, next query, put it beneath, put it below, and refer 
to the cell above as if it's a table. And that, that is the innovation. And what we're finding is when people get that, it's a night and day thing. That's what, so, what gave us so much heart was when we saw analysts come to us and say, I've changed how I'm writing SQL now. I'm just, I'm treating these, effectively each of these cells are a CTE, but they're ones you can refer to in any cell. So it just gives you a wonderful workflow, which people have been switching to Python for and Jupyter for for ages, but not in SQL. No, it sounds fascinating. And you, you guys have, uh, sounds like jump out, get signed up, full on SaaS offering right now. Anything else coming in the future? Are there, are there is SaaS just, uh, that's it? I, I mean, we see it, everybody embracing that right now. I didn't know if there was something else that, uh, that you guys have been asked for by your customer base. Yeah, so I think we will, we recognize that like bigger, the bigger organizations need a bit more of like a self-hosted solution. Mm. So we'll offer the ability to sort of get going on your own cloud instance of the product. That's probably going to come out later this year. Okay. Just allowing instead of those who have slightly like just the, the procurement process slightly more challenging, just a really quick way to get going as well. And we have, uh, Ali, a lot of customers running a cloud data platform. They've got their data integration solutions. They've got their transformation solutions. Uh, maybe a maybe a modeling solution. How does Count fit into that? I'll call it a modern data stack ecosystem. I've got Fivetran mm. collecting and acquiring data. I've got DBT transforming, and I've got something like Snowflake, where everything's being uh, computed and ultimately consumed from. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good question. So, we we think we're just another piece of the puzzle that mm. hasn't really been there. Is yeah. Actually, when you look at, it's kind of in some respects, I think we our customers go this we've been looking for this tool why is this tool not being here before it's so obviously needed um you know they've got a yeah you say like the five trend dbt into a data warehouse mm -hmm. they may have and they've probably got a relatively strong sort of reporting layer they may have dashboard reports yeah. which are just looked at and you know give them give people like the top level numbers they need to see but they don't have any sort of workflow around any sort of structured workflow around how do they answer questions from data that's the whole that's the whole hodgepodge of you know home bake home brew kind of mm -hmm. ways of doing it and that that's where account slots in it's a complementary tool to your bi tool we do have customers which you use count as their full sort of you know reporting and sort of ad hoc platform but um you know we've intentionally made it so you can use count alongside an existing bi cool. tool and and get the benefit of it in terms of answering the questions that your bi tool produces but you don't you can't answer okay okay I, uh, you know, when we talk about questions and answers, are there are there certain questions that you see being asked by organizations that you're working with uh, today uh, related to the value that they're trying to drive from data, especially using SQL, which obviously, as you said, is is really the most popular language today. Any particular questions? I guess it's the, I guess it's everyone. I think it's well known that sort of when you have, if you're trying to get data into the organization, you're trying to permeate data into decision making, then that often means you get lots of dashboards generally just flying around, which are looked at either are regularly looked at and they don't change very much, or they're looked at once and then forgotten about. And dashboards are just a really poor interface to use for that kind of ad hoc work. So we find that people are using us either as their own as an analyst who's using it as a go-to SQL editor to do your own exploration, et cetera, or you're using it as a way to give, give reports out to the organization. So we have um Quite a lot of people who are using it as like they're in sort of who are data like in terms of like digital product teams who are using count as like their one page a b test so like they write here's the baseline here's what we changed here's the result one neat one page for the whole thing fully auditable fully there we have other people like data consultancies or um some SaaS product companies who are trying to produce bespoke 
analytical reporting for their customers. And obviously, because they're not in the same room as them, they need a better way to articulate what the numbers are saying, not just send them a chart so they can talk through, but actually just send them a report they can read sort of um, offline. So it's got quite a lot of utility. There's lots of different people using it for data wikis, for example, like documentation of data. It's got a lot of utility, but it's just sort of filling in the gap which is left when all that kind of ad hoc analysis people talk about, I guess. Okay. Okay. So I've got uh, I've got certainly a number of reporting use cases. I've got uh, you know general decision making, data driven decision making use cases. Uh, pretty pretty broad range. Uh, it sounds like. In terms of the the type of company that's a, an ideal fit for Count, is there a particular set of industries? Is there a particular size? Anything like that, or if I'm a startup all the way to Fortune 100 type company enterprise, uh, let's let's give this thing a spin. Yeah, so I, I think we have got a whole range, which is a blessing and a curse. But we're finding that the sweet spot is in an organization where you've got a, you've got established data, data, data organization and the team analysts serving the business with insight. The bigger the organization, usually the more beneficial you find the fact you've got a long form way to, project, to send insights around the organization. The more sort of SQL literate your organization, the better as well. We find actually we're getting quite a lot of customers from insurance companies because they really value the auditability. The fact that you've got this kind of document with the decision point made and discussed and agreed, which has the queries embedded in it mm. back to the database, just gives a huge amount more comfort. Where you know, you're sort of a regulated organization where you've got to prove what you're doing and what the, what what happened for the decision that was made. Okay, so healthcare, other financial services, offshoots from uh, insurance, all those would apply as well, pretty. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So uh, it sounds really exciting. What do you see as the future? What does it hold for Count and your customers? What are you thinking about? Where are you going? Where are you taking this thing uh, in the future? Yeah, so, I mean, in some respects, what we've realized is that we obviously care about this decision-making problem. How does organize, how do organizations make decisions with data, not just reduce numbers, which create questions? And really that, but what, as you've gone on the journey and realized that workflow is very SQL focused, like, yes, there's a lot of other ways of doing analytics, but by far and away, um, you're doing descriptive analytics using SQL. That is the, by far and away the majority of analytics going on in organizations today. Um, so the question we think about is like, what is, what is the modern SQL? What does the modern SQL workflow look like? Like SQL isn't going to go anywhere. It's the language of databases. And it's sometimes it's considered to be a necessary evil, really. People, it, everyone knows it, but no one prefers it. And I think that's what we're trying to change. You know, we're going, look, SQL is a great analytical language. It's been around for a while. It's a thing that everyone can learn. It's very accessible as a language. It's very easy to learn. It's also very powerful. And it can help you answer questions of data in a way which other tools that are around there, either too inaccessible, or aren't really designed for it because they're more designed for producing reports. This is how do we make that workflow great for you? Um, and it's a thing which actually, you know, you've seen that happen for things like Python and R far more than in SQL. Like there's so much more going on in Python and R in the last 10 years, like, like the notebook shift, for example, which we're just trying to bring to SQL for the first time and say, look, actually SQL could be great too if we put it in the same kind of workflow environment. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about quite a lot is like, that's the product challenge for us is like, how do we make analysts superstars with SQL? Yeah. And take that another step further when you guys were, were just starting out. I mean, you think about, and I like to ask co-founders this, when you think about product market fit, you write that first line of code, any any particular learnings along that line that have really applied to developing account as a company and as a product? 
Well, I think you may have heard my the big the core mistake we made at the start, which was to know your problem well and then solve it, <laughs> rather than just go and try and build some cool tech. Yeah. And with natural language querying, that was the that was a painful way around to solve the problem. We could have realized users don't like natural language querying very very much earlier if we hadn't just chased the problem down a technical rabbit hole. Um, and, and I'm always as an engineer as a developer. I mean, do you do you what aspect of how solvable is the problem in a certain amount of time? Does that even does that play into it? If so, how? Because I feel like you could probably solve just about anything, right? But what about timing and uh, I don't know, maybe competition? Give, give me a little bit of feedback there on what you thought about as it related to product market fit. Yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good good. I think, I think it's quite a good tension there, and particularly in the data analytics space. Actually, like it's it's actually quite as you well as you well know, there's a lot of solutions out there. Like there's a lot of it's a very crowded market. So mm -hmm. there was we did what I think is appropriate. What we've done is we didn't rush mm. the market. There needs to be yes, know your problem, but it doesn't mean you solve the problem poorly. I think what what we've worked hard at is know the problem and then make sure the solution is awesome. Yeah. Like to get a genuine shift that we're trying to achieve here. Like you know, let's everyone stop writing in scripts in SQL. Let's make them write in notebooks as the the first generation of our sort of solution. We've got many more to come. Um, that requires time, and that that was not quick and easy. And actually, yeah. it is now gives us a huge sort of differentiation so if you've ever written sql before i challenge you to find a better way of doing it now and that's that's what we that's what we feel passionate about the hearing from users that they are cha they've, they've changed the right sql forever kind of thing is a wonderful phrase i mean we heard that we knew we were onto something um and we didn't rush until we heard that oh i like it i like it and i mean you talked about this taking some time um you guys have have raised some funding uh, initially where what have you raised so far and where is that where do you see things going in the future there well, um, yeah, we raised quite a while ago. So that, that kind of, um, when I mentioned, we sort of got some really great investors invested in Azoli to go find the, find the solution. That was back in 2017, we raised that. So that was a long time ago. We've, we've, we've just, um, and we, we haven't rushed. We've taken, a, you know, we made the team a small product team. Mm -hmm. We've been going for a while as a, yeah, quite a core team. Um, and we've now at the point, having launched publicly, now I can get going with our, our notebook. Um, we're now we're now raised. We actually we've just closed around to like grow pretty rapidly, which is awesome. I won't go into details with it yet because I haven't approved my investors. Haven't approved me to talk about it yet. And um, but it's it's great scale, and okay. I think we've incubated enough now. Basically, I'm just really excited to get out there. Yeah, is it as you are? We're raising that next round. You did this other one a few years ago. Raise this one. I mean, what's what's most difficult in your opinion about raising capital? As I've gone on the journey, I realized that raising is just is so important. You know, it's really important with particularly products like this, which is a complex and you know have a, a huge amount of code behind them. It's not you can't raise. You've got to raise to get get going, and, and that's fair enough. But it's also an overhead. Like raising money is ultimately a tax on the time you spend. So I've really struggled with running the business, growing the business, and fundraising at the same time. Mm -hmm. People say it's a full time job, and I think that it's probably not quite a full time job. It's definitely a it's a tax. Um, and it's a thing which I have just, yeah, struggled with a bit. So I really want to get on with this, please. Yeah. Can we just close and move on? Yeah. Are you doing uh, it yourself or uh, the other Ali is uh, participating as well, or is it mainly you? And fundraising, no, it's pretty much just it, just me. Yeah. But Ollie is a CTO. He's got, he's, his time is very, very valuable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. No, was there anything that uh, you looked at when you were, starting count that you you almost hesitated and didn't, didn't go down this path anything that caused that uh, to not move forward yeah I, it wasn't a 
it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an easy decision. Like as I said, we we set out because we wanted to find a better solution. We didn't have the idea in mind, so we were we were quite open for. We were looking for a solution. We were looking for a solution to the problem we cared about. But there was at the same time as I started the company, my my wife. Well, I think it was about two months later. My wife became pregnant, which was fantastic. But then it just made us go, hang on, how are we how are we going to do both yeah. of these things at once? We've got one baby business here. We've got a real baby, which is far more important. How are we gonna how are we gonna do this? And it hasn't been easy. Yeah, it hasn't been easy. But you know, it's definitely um, been a joy on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that sounds wonderful. I mean, it's it's a it's hard. Uh, it is very difficult to strike that that balance. And uh, now I appreciate what you said there. That's uh, that's very very good. What about you know go back to when you guys started the company uh, as it relates to the culture and you know has that has that shifted over time uh, as well? Yeah, it's it, so we so Ollie and I are not not just we're quite similar by in a few ways, not just by name. Um, we're at the same university. Uh, roughly the same height. I think he's slightly taller than me, grudgingly. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, both our wives are doctors. Actually, it's quite funny. But we're quite we're quite different in personality. Um, and I think we that's something we're really keen to keep is the diversity thing. Yeah. And I think as we've gone on the journey, we realised that we 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 are only ever going to solve this problem well if we have a huge breadth of thought. So we want this company to be creative. It needs to challenge the status quo, think differently, and actually you know bring. A lot of that, in our opinion, comes from bringing in ideas from that have been done in other places to the data analytics space. And so the biggest problem, the problem we started off was thinking like all these data tools look the same, like can't yeah. be right. So there's a better solution out there. And that's come from looking elsewhere and pulling good ideas in different places, be it data yeah. science or from just great SaaS products like Notion or Slack and thinking like this is a you know, this is a better way of solving things and bring that into a what is otherwise not a particularly hot product space, actually. A lot of technology, but not a lot of products. Yeah. Um, so being diverse is key. So that's the thing which we care about quite a lot is making sure we have diversity in our team. Cool. And you teased us with that new round coming up. You didn't tell us a whole lot there, but uh, my guess is once that... I, I, I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> no, I, know. I was going to say when that new round hits, Ali, though, my guess is you are probably going to ramp up some hiring maybe on the product and engineering and sales and marketing side. Talk to me a little bit about qualities that make up you know, hopefully an ideal hire or hires for both of those groups. Right now, I guess we're still small enough that anyone we hire is going to have a, you know, we need them to be pretty autonomous, pretty talented and able to just crack on with, and implement and deliver on big ideas. You know, we're still mm -hmm. building the operating model effectively and, and, and the product. And so we just need people who are, um, yeah, pretty autonomous, collaborative, sure, but can just crack on and, and, yeah. and, and deliver. Pretty um, well hiring just in the UK or are you looking no, more broadly? No, not okay. at all. So one of the challenges I'm sure many people have faced is the pandemic has made us leave the office and start working remotely. Um, I'm actually currently speaking to you from inside my, my garden office. I built this over in, in the UK, we had a really severe lockdown in the beginning of, of, of 2020 and there was nothing to do on holiday. So I decided to build this cabin in the back garden as a way to sort of work as give myself some office space. I love, I love yeah. the look of it. The the wood is just, the woodwork that you did is incredible. Really like that. <laughs> I should be clear. It wasn't like I bought, took a tree and, and cut it down and <laughs> put it up. It, was, it came as a bit of a kit. Uh, so I need to be careful. I don't oversell myself into the woodworking skill, but um, uh, I think, I think staying, allowing yeah. the fact that I can allow, we know working remotely works. We do actually meet up now. We can, you know, do like a meetup every month or two just to make sure we're sort of meeting and collaborating 
but that, that does mean we can open up you know the pool that we're hiring from not just into london area but into mm. the wider sort of time zone east coast europe etc okay okay what uh for you guys what what have you been so far most proud of at count and, and what's been the toughest thing that you guys have had to do so far I guess, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, when we, when we moved away from natural language mm -hmm. querying research into, into trying to find a different answer, we, we let a lot of people go at that point. That was obviously very unpleasant, um, mostly because it was a mistake, which we were very, or I was very aware was really our fault, but just going down the wrong path, we could have, if we'd have been smarter, we could have solved mm -hmm. that. So you felt very accountable for that problem. Um, and that was tough. At the same time, what I'm almost pr weirdly proud of is the fact we I think we did right by people. It wasn't, you know, we I think still we try and make sure that our team uh, we're doing right by them and our customers. And actually, that's something which we I'm still quite proud of that. You know, yeah. still quite proud that we're doing the right thing. And we, I don't think we're doing, despite it being a very tough journey. I think we still stand by, you know, our, eth our ethics and moral code and make sure we're doing the right thing. Yeah, it's it, it is really, really difficult to build a company. There's a lot of tough decisions that have to be made and certainly some unpopular ones that have to be made, too. So uh, definitely applaud you for that. And talk to me about how do you balance some of that day to day execution, keeping the business going with, you know, really focusing in on what that vision for count is as a company? How do you do that? Because because I, I say know. that I I'd love to know man I struggle <laughs> I know. struggle with that constantly because I feel like I'm always getting pulled in. Do you feel you feel the same way? Yeah, totally. I find I think that one of the hardest things. It is is there are two different ways to get very exhausted, and you know, they both require a lot of thought and energy. Doing both can be can allow you to sort of give you some, give yourself a bit of way to balance, but it's just very difficult. I haven't got a good solution. I. I have lots of sort of productivity hacks I use, like splitting the day into two different halves or one third or two thirds. Um, but yeah, obviously right now I'm still very much a content deliverer as much as I am a strategic thinker. Um, I do like that. I love the breadth of the role, actually. It's one yeah. of the things I do love most about this job is that I just deal with, you know, shareholder mandates all the way down to, you know, um, working out, you know, what <laughs> working out what kind of paper like what kind of notebook paper we're going to buy for the company whatever so, so see like that i just i you know that, i quite like the breadth um so that's that's, that's that gives me energy not just makes it difficult yeah no interesting what's uh when when you were looking at at starting count what was some of the best advice that you got uh yeah just just do it <laughs> i think it was actually so yeah. I, I remember in my early career before we we set up on this idea i was i was really thinking about how to do a business there were lots of little business ideas i had talked to a few different people, nothing really took off, but I I definitely was keen to set my own business up. I, I knew that from relatively early mm -hmm. on in my career. I wanted to do that. So I think I think it was my wife. She was just like, you just gotta do it, haven't you? You just gotta <laughs> give it a go. You'll regret it otherwise. Yeah. When the actually when it became clear this could be something we should do. And it wasn't just a hypothetical. Um, that was probably the most important piece of yeah. advice. It sounds like you're still able to, even with everything going into account, you're still able to balance uh, a little bit with the family too. Well, I, particularly over lockdown, that's been. Yeah. A, I, mean, I mean, I feel very. I know it's been. It's been a really difficult time, and um, my wife's seen a lot of that as a doctor, but uh, as well. But for me, I've been very blessed that I've been. It means I'm at home mm. more. I'm not commuting to London has meant I can spend time with my boys at breakfast mm -hmm. time, see them far more, play with them, um, exercise more. Um, that's been a real blessing. I, I get. I had to build this cabin to make sure I could get away for them <laughs> to work, but um, um, at the same time, it's been, it's been, it's been really good. Um, so I, I feel I feel very fortunate. I've got to say about yeah. that, um, and I recognise that's that's a thing which not many people can. Would say. you be commuting into London otherwise? 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. On my on my folding bike to get on yeah. the train. So I'd cycle to the station. I still do. I'm probably, probably, well, I'm still doing that a bit, but it's yeah. not as much. So cycling to cycle to the station, get on the commuter train on a folded bike, and then cycle when I get back to the the town. The What's the, the one way commute time yeah. for you? Well, it used to be about an hour. An yeah. hour. Wow. I'm doing uh, this summer. I'm doing about forty five minutes uh, one way, and I'm not enjoying it at all. So you can listen to yourself on the podcast. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I don't enjoy that at all. I'll listen to other <laughs> podcasts for sure. Um, hey, I always like to ask folks. I, I don't know if you have anything here. Anything that we haven't touched on or talked about that you'd like the audience to know that maybe you want to give visibility to as it relates to mm. to count or you know personal projects that you have going on. Yeah, thank you. Actually, there's one thing I think which we'd, we'd lo- I'd love to share, which I think is we, as I mentioned, you know, we think there's a lot of love that's gone into other languages and made them easy to use. But SQL needs that love. And, and we, and we, what we, what we think a lot of it's a lot of the reason SQL is difficult is because a lot of people are writing SQL from scratch every time. You're mm-hmm. writing select, select queries from, from, from nothing and you're, you're getting going. And that makes it quite time consuming sometimes. So what we've done actually, which not be my, one of our colleagues, Taylor, and the team, she's like a personal project. She set up a, Basically, a forum, a, a forum to allow analysts to to share and find SQL snippets, like oh, pieces nice. of SQL, which you can cut and paste into your into your analysis. That you do common tasks, yeah. which otherwise are quite painful to write. Bit like regex parsing or trying to work out how to do an outlier analysis using SQL. Um, and we've got it's it's I can send a link. Well, hopefully in the show notes. It's SQL snippets. Please, yeah, uh, is the name, and um, it's a really good, really great. You're already getting going. We launched it about a week and a half ago. And it's just designed to make, again, you know, bring to SQL a way to make it easier and crowd share the best SQL that's out there so you're not writing it from scratch. So is that the, an open source project? Is yeah. that the, that's the URL is sqlsnippets.com or sqlsnippets.io or what? Currently, what might change, currently it's just hosted by our website. So it's sql-snippets.count.co, but that might change. We've got, um, it's open source. We've got a, we've got a site and we mirror all the SQL onto an open source GitHub repository as well. So you can put it, you can either engage with the GitHub repo or you can do it on the website um so it's an open source project love it yeah you know, she's trying to maintain it and get it going but ultimately the design is it's, it's the thing which is owned by the community to allow people to share and and benefit from each other oh i love so that it'd be great to get involved with yeah yeah absolutely we will definitely link up sql snippets uh sql snippets uh dot count dot co that's right okay cool yeah so hey are you up as we roll into the final part of the show you up for a lightning round Couple of I'll try. these are easy. These are easy yep. questions. I mean, I'm going to say this: this beer I've been drinking as we've been talking this broadside. It's six percent. I didn't realize that when I drank it. So <laughs> I hope I'll survive to the end of the hour. <laughs> that's right. No, that's good. I'm I'm almost to the end of my Shinerbach as well. All right. These are these are these are these are layups here. Uh, technology you cannot live without in your role account. I mean, other than the obvious, I think the thing which I the thing which I can't live without, which obviously is a, a huge. Um, Okay, quickly. Uh, AirPod Pros. I love my AirPod oh. Pros. I can obviously live without them. It's obviously not keeping me alive, but I I love them. I use them every single day. They let me switch between my phone and the PC so easily to do phone calls and then obviously chatting to the team. Uh, I could live without them, but man, I, I love them enough. Yeah, see, I, I've, I've cheaped out on that. I think I just need to do it because the ones that I have, I won't name the brand, I'm not a fan of. So I appreciate that tip. I think I'm going to have to pull the trigger on the AirPod Pros. Okay. Uh, love it. Do you have a, a type of uh, either cook-at-home meal or takeout delivery meal that, that you guys really enjoy as a family? My wife cooks an amazing roast dinner, which Ooh. we, as a, as a boys and I, absolutely hoover up every Sunday night. So that's probably my... 
go-to meal. I think my boys are four and two, so they just they just destroy the roast potatoes. Uh, so I think for, the, for their benefit alone, that's probably their favorite moment of the day, probably. Uh, that's just destroying that. Oh, so that's yeah, probably it. That sounds delicious. Is that an every Sunday or every other Sunday or so type of type of deal? Whenever we can keep a sweet enough to, to do it. I, I, I obviously got, yeah. I got myself as well, but she just nails that. So I can't, I uh, can't match her on, on it. Uh, sounds awesome. What about, uh, do you guys have a favorite spot in the London area or in the area that you, you live in there? In London, I guess uh, I, we used to live North London. If you ever, if, um, if you, you may know, it's a place called Hampstead. It's a lovely little, it used to be a little village before uh, London has consumed it of a really so pretty Victorian village that then got consumed by the city. So it's a really pretty little area to walk around. Hugely recommended as a sort of walking tour if you're visiting London. Uh, we used to live, not in it, sadly, but nearby enough that we could pop in and we used to love going there on a weekend. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. When I was with Oracle for 10 years, I was traveling over to uh, Oracle's Reading office uh, periodically, uh, just outside of London. And uh, I don't know that I ever got over to that Hampstead area in, in London uh, in particular, but definitely would have to check that out. What about, Ali, if you want to unplug, I well, I shouldn't say if, when you unplug from <laughs> tech for a while, is there something that you uh, enjoy doing? Uh, other than building cabins, yeah. Um... <laughs> I actually, I, um, I remember a book group, um, which is, I really, really enjoy. Um, I was, I'm surprised how much I love it. Actually, I find talking about a book I've read is, is so much better way to like and consume it, learn it, think it through. That's a real joy. It's a month to month thing, but I really enjoy that. And otherwise I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a cyclist. I enjoy now I moved out, out of London and I've got countryside around me. I, I love going for an evening bike ride and it's sunny. It's delicious. Yeah. Nice. Nice. On the, on the book group, any recent books that you guys have gone through on the book group that you've really enjoyed? Uh, um, hmm. We read one which is quite weird. We wonder one called "The Hidden Place," which is by a Dutch lady. It's it's a biography of her when she was in a oh. in Holland in and in, in sort of Second World War. Mm -hmm. Um, so mm -hmm. occupied uh, occupied Holland. That was a fascinating book. That was really quite an amazing story. The Hidden Place. That was, that was really. The, hidden, uh, the hiding place. The hiding yeah. place. The hiding place. Very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, what about last question? Another company that you are watching closely right now? Yeah. So I, um, there's so honestly every day there's a lot of things going on in the data space. So I, I, I've almost given up trying to follow it all. Um, but um, there's one company I think doing some really cool stuff. It's called Bit.io. Um, they're quite early startup too. We we know those guys. They're they're really great. They're doing some really innovative stuff on databases and how to, sh to change the permissions model around databases, mm -hmm. um, which which um sort of bringing sort of a Slack sort of allowing different databases to sort of merge together and be owned by different people and but blend the data together really nicely. It's it's clever. It's a it's um it's really cool to see that. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. Awesome, awesome. Well, I think that you know this has been fantastic. You know, you look at what you guys are doing to really bring together. Python notebooks, SQL editors, data visualization. I mean, let's let's bring this all together under count. Really, Ali, appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you so much. Kelly, it's been wonderful. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, no, we're, we'll keep up with everything. Uh, all the growth that I'm expecting at count. In fact, we'll get something going with the HashMap <laughs> team as well, because uh, I'd love to get them introduced to this thing. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in today. Really appreciate everybody. Would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Visit HashMapInc.com. Send us any feedback or comments. We will see you soon on another episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. 
Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap ONTAP page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.